Hello, my friends. Today we are very, very lucky to be speaking to one of our very close friends and a very respected business in our network, the Philodomo Network and the Backable Network. We're here with Tony Nichols, who runs Good Talent Media, a expanding communications empire here in Australia. And um, Tony, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, all good, Tim. Thank you for having me. It's really, really great to have you here. And I I guess the, the reason I was really keen to um, get you on is not only because I know you personally and, and consider you a close friend, but just getting people to hear some of your journey, first of all, of how you got into business um, you know, being someone who, as you, as you mentioned, is talking about started in his career in the media, but what you've been able to do it with that transition, because I think there's a lot of our listeners out there that would be thinking about taking the leap or running companies at the moment. And do you mind if we start there? Because I think you've got a really, really interesting journey. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, my my dream and passion as a younger man was the media, and getting into the media really fascinated me. I just uh, it's quite unusual as a younger guy. Uh, I, I'd, um, you know, as a teenager, I'd be flicking through the, you know, the newspapers, and I'd be listening to the radio, and I was just very interested in politics, and uh, just interested in, in, in debates and, and the news cycle. So I took that passion actually into a hobby, into community radio. And in fact, I've just reconnected with um, the first guy that ever hired me in, in radio, Bruce Nelson, at Radio 4EB in in Brisbane, a multicultural radio station, a kangaroo point underneath Story Bridge, beautiful, beautiful spot. Wow. I remember strolling there in my early 20s and just desperately needed to make this start in media. And I met Bruce and he hired me you know, in a heartbeat. And yeah. I started there as a, as a marketing guy, but it was an opportunity to get into the radio newsroom, get into the studios and learn this craft of radio, which built into news. So I had a, I developed a, a hobby yep. in radio at the time as a younger guy. And that hobby and passion turned into a job. When I finished my formal studies and uh, went around country Australia working in, in radio newsrooms and they turned into TV jobs and right. I didn't understand the link between radio and TV and then that turned into a job with Network 10, could you believe? And I spent it, we had our first couple of babies in Canberra. So I was living in Canberra sort of on the road, my wife and I. Now, wait, wait, you, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I've got to cut you off here, Tony, because you just, you've, you've just skipped over something that are other people's superpowers. I mean, it's super competitive to get into the media. How did you even land these country jobs? Well, it's, it's super, super competitive to get in the media. There's no doubt about that. So what? So journos need to start in the country. So so it was as simple, yeah. as, simple as, well, the process is pretty clear. <laughs> I, I, that I had to put wrote my voice down. For radio, so we call them showreels, radio showreels. I started reading the news yep. in, in community radio stations in Brisbane, Melbourne, and I'm cut. As soon as I get off air, I'd be cutting cutting that the best of those reads into a showreel, and I'd be sending those off right. with resumes around country Australia, trying to get you know, very low paid jobs in regional radio stations. And you know, I got wow. knockback after knockback after knockback, and. And then I'd be on the weekends for even, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd be in little, you know, these little planes <laughs> flying to places like Bathurst <laughs> and the like, interviewing with my showreels so they want to meet, meet the person and that's when things went well. I look back actually and I'm thankful for all the jobs I got knocked back from. So who, I don't know where I could have ended up living in the middle of Australia because I was determined to get in the media. Nothing's going to stop me. So I was pretty close wow. to giving up. 
after a year of, of taping up, you know, this is back in the CD days, right? So I'm, I'll get this CD and I'm taping this <laughs> CD up. And the long, it was a long process and I'd almost given up. And phone call, and I remember where I was. I was at High Street Preston, thereabouts. And yeah. I got the phone call from Star FM Wagga Wagga. And, uh, and not only did I get the job, but they wanted me to start now. And my, we, we were pregnant <laughs> with our first baby. And, and I just said to Lily, you know, I'm off. I'm doing this. And she's like, what? You know, she's in a really good job and, <laughs> and with a baby on the way. And we're kind of well set up in Melbourne. So I'm going. And cause I, I had to do media. So off I went. She met me later. Yeah. And then 10 months in that job, I got, then I started the same process again. So I've got a new radio show reel, but this time it's professional broadcast radio, right? Real, a real new yeah, news right. reel show reel. And I started sending that off everywhere. And then the, the next job came Southern Cross Television Canberra. So we hopped from Wagga to Canberra, which isn't that far. And then that started three or four years in television when people had had my own TV show. I was chief of staff in the newsroom for a little while. So it was what an experience. It was yeah. wonderful. Got to yeah. interview Peter Costello, I remember at the time, and all these other big names that you get to meet in media. That's the real privilege of the job. And then Network 10 took me up, uh, Paul Bongiorno at the Press Gallery briefly. Then I got a job in Melbourne with 10, which led to a job at SBS, which led to the penultimate job at the ABC, which is where I really wanted. So we did this big journey, came back to Melbourne with a couple of kids, had a wonderful time, learned to craft, and then I ended up on live television, like on the hour, which was a great, it was a wonderful experience. I learned that craft. We launched News 24 here in Melbourne. And, uh, and there you go. So that, you know, I went grey. I went grey doing this and, and, uh, (laughs) I just just got to a point where my boys got bigger. And I guess in the search for contentment as well. I, I wanted a bit more, a bit more work-life balance. I wanted to be with my boys a little bit more, my sons. And yeah, I was just looking for a different way to use my media skills. So then that started in a media training business, which I developed into a PR agency. Amazing. I mean, uh, you've said so much there, and I think um, you know one of the reasons I wanted to expose you to our listeners was I, I don't know if I've met anyone who's got the dogged persistence that you have and, and you sort of casually go over I just you know just sent a few things out and then I got the call and I was there the next day type thing where you know it, for those who missed it you know Tony was your wife pregnant at the time I mean or did you have a kid I mean to still have that focus and determination to get where you want it must be a very strong family unit I mean most people give up at that stage which is we've missed the boat it's not going to happen for me I mean it's the same in business you know I mean they get a knockback or the timing's not perfect you're not a guy that sort of um, – I don't think you take rejection at all, <laughs> to well, be honest with you. I don't think you accept that. Well, you do. Like you learn from it. I, I, I don't believe there's any good timing for anything. Yeah. There's not the perfect time for anything, to get married, to have kids, to start a job, making decisions. There's no – so the, we really only have – like we're, we live in, in the now. There is only now. Now's the only time you can do anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, so yeah, so yeah. Look, I I get I get rejected a lot, mm. and and I am and I, I kind of classify myself actually as a sensitive person. Like I'm not without feelings, but you just I think you learn so much from rejection. 
it's just a feeding frenzy of learning. Like if you take responsibility for things, oh, that's cool, that didn't work out, but what can I do better? What can I change? That's fine because the next time you get rejected, it'll be for different reasons. Yeah. And then that's another learning experience. So I'm okay with rejection. Yeah. I, I mean, you say it pretty casually, but I think that knocks out probably 90% of entrepreneurs is they've got a tolerance for rejection because, you know, you've got to expect it. But honestly, once it happens enough, I think people lose their their ambition and maybe that, that moves us into the early stages of your company. And what was it like moving from a corporate environment to I guess being the boss no one caring whether you wake up I mean how did you how did you begin your business in terms of what did day one look like for you oh, I remember it clearly it was the just 10 back to my wife the 10th of our 10th anniversary wedding anniversary we went and had a holiday on the Gold Coast yeah and it was you know splurged a little bit so I had a couple of nights away from the kids and, and spent a couple of very nice nights away and um, with my kids, with my parents. And when he came back to Melbourne and Lily went off to work, kids went to school and she said goodbye and she actually left me in this room. So COVID's funny, right? I started the business working from home for a couple of years here. I couldn't afford to do anything else. And she said goodbye and all the best. And then I, I was here, furniture was a little bit different, but I had a, a laptop and a phone and a notepad. I'd already built a website, so I'd done that already. Yep. Had the site and it was up. And, um, and cheerio, she said. And how did I start? <laughs> I, 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 uh, you probably see the calluses on the ears here. I started reading everyone I've ever met in my life, including everyone I've ever interviewed in the media. Right. So, Islamic Council of Victoria, Big Farmers Federation, City of Melbourne, Big Association, Secondary School Principal. So, as a journal, you get to interview a lot of big players in the industry. Yep. So I find all of them just to say, hey, I'm here to help you in any way. How did that look with that level of effort at the start? I mean, was that something you did for a day, a week, a month? I mean, I've, I've known you no. there and you've, you still operate like that. <laughs> yeah, 12 months, 12 months, 12 months like that. And, you know, huge effort. Yeah. How do you get results otherwise? I don't, I don't know any other way. I'm, I'm not very sophisticated, right? I'm open to be shown another way. But that's what I, I, I chose, right? I, I, I can control that. I can control massive effort. So I pulled together. It was interesting. It was funny, right? First six months. First six months, I brought in $20,000. And I thought, gee, this is not going well. This is not going well. Yeah. Not that I didn't think I made a mistake. But yeah. I thought, this is not going well. And that's when I pivoted from media training into PR and video and everything else I could to find other revenue streams. The next six months brought in $60,000 at an 80K year. Yep. And actually at Christmas had a few dollars in the bank. I thought, I'm made in shape here. This is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and in fact, working, journals don't make much money. I wasn't making much more money working virtually seven days a week in media with 5 a.m. starts to try to get shift load, loading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't making much more than that. I almost brought my salary in the first year of my own business. I, I, I considered that a big success. It, it, by so, anyone's standards, anyone who can replace their salary in the first year of a business starting up fresh, I would suggest self-funded businesses, albeit like, mate, it's an incredible, yeah. I mean, when you talk about just having the calluses on your ear from keeping your phone up there, we don't want to test the radiation because I'm sure you probably spent more time with your phone plastered to the side of your head for that 12 months, but it just shows in the results. I mean, that's unexpected for most people. We brought, yeah, I, I thought it was a 
I was happy with that. The second six months was good. The first six months was really hard. The second six months was exciting. I was winning work and doing it. You know, you're the technician doing everything. Yeah. So then I, I thought, all right, I do, I think one thing I really believe in is being brave, right? Don't, you know, I think it's fine to be scared all the time and I am fine to be unsure of yourself all the time and I can be. Yeah. But I, I believe in just proceeding anyway. So I thought I was wrapped with the finish of that year. And, you know, I don't know, I might have had a few thousand in the bank, something like that. For me, a huge amount of money. Yep. So I thought, well, I'm going to be brave here. I'm going to throw a party. Right? Do you want a good talent media? <laughs> <laughs> so I throw a party, right? So I invite everyone I know. I think all of two people showed up. I had um, the media boss at the time of the city of Melbourne drop in. That's a, there's a win. Yep. Uh, a social media girl popped in who wanted to work for me. And I think one other person, so virtually you'd say no one turned up. So I was in this bar. Um, I, I had all these drinks and these platters and everything organized for this crowd of 30 that didn't come. So, <laughs> anyway, the visitors came very briefly. It was all very awkward. Yeah. So then they went and I was kind of relieved. And then I there was a table of tradies in the corner and I took the platters over to the tradies, dropped them on the table with the drinks cards. They boys. I'm throwing a party, no one's here. Let's enjoy ourselves. So I sat there with this trading corner. <laughs> Instead of me, you know, we're from the southern suburbs of Brisbane, drinking drinking lager for these trading, I was very comfortable. And that's how I wrapped up my first year. It's staying humble. <laughs> I was comfortable. The rest was a big stretch. And I'm pleased they didn't show up to sort of put me, you know, to put me through that. That's <laughs> so. That's a great story, mate. Um, yeah. You mentioned something there, which I think is pretty important, which is about six months in, you were you started off as a media trainer because obviously you had you know a lot to offer there, and you're an expert in terms of being able to produce that result and the training being a new aspect. But you talked about needing to pivot to find some more cash, and I, I, it's very interesting. I'd like to talk about it a bit because most people don't do it as quickly as I think you've done it. And, you know, as we progress, we'll talk about sort of where the company's gone from strength to strength. But w- what was it about that time that you knew you had to do something else? What what was the trigger for you? Well, there's a couple of trigger points like cash flow was really clear. First, like to be peddling one service or one product. And I looked at the results yeah. and we couldn't live off this. So, so. Then, then, then it triggered. So, number one, I had to make some changes. Had to change. Number two, yeah, dawned on me. Uh, I'm in the room with all these CEOs, and I'm media training them. I'm hearing all of their stories, and uh, got a video guy there. Got a great camera crew with me. Number one, it dawned on me. I can do videos for these guys. There's more revenue, and do a great quality job because I've been cutting TV professionally for years now. Number two, I could be do, I could be getting these stories in the media. I can ring chiefs to staff and media mates and get them wherever they want to be. So there's an expanded business immediately. I can yeah. do video production at a high level and I, I can do PR at a very high level. I just hadn't occurred to me prior. So that was the start of that second six months. And I started selling a bit of video, started selling a bit of PR in addition to the media training. For year two, that meant, you know, I do know the numbers every year. Yeah. So I won't necessarily share them, but like exponential growth year two, year three, year, every other year, right? Because I just had other things to present and, and other things that I, I was confident, that other ways to help people. So, and it was, it was a fun pivot. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I mean, 
knowing you well, you've continued to do so. Do you think that's one of your superpowers as an entrepreneur? Because you seem to not be um, scared of change and and particularly in corona at the moment. I mean everyone else is, you know, running for the hills and hiding and coiling up in balls in the in the corner and you know you and I've had a few conversations over this period and it's um if anything this is what you're used to this is the type of environment where it, it's just the, a similar sort of energy not that you're pandemic focused or or taking advantage of this period but really this is sort of the way you operate which is constantly moving and changing and looking for the opportunity yeah, I, I'm fine with that. Like, I just think it's a necessary. I think it's a necessary. So, I think a Buddhist tenet is that, uh, you know, that, like, everything's transient. All phenom- phenomena is transient. So, cha- you know, change is the ever-present thing. So, yep. change is totally normal. No, not to change, but the, the, that, that's the problem. So, yeah. so, I'm totally cool. I get very excited about the new, actually, the new anything. Like I, so that's pivoting yeah. to something, creating something new, learning something new. I'm very excited about it. And I do find it interesting. Well, for example, a year or so ago, we tacked on digital. So we pivoted to digital because why is that? Because I can help my existing clients yeah. even more. So, and it's funny dealing with those digital guys as I try to build a team and meet new people. Uh, I hear all the time, oh, you're new to digital. You don't quite get digital, they're saying, or, well, I know you're new to digital. And and what I'm really <laughs> hearing is from these guys or these people is that I'm very fixed in what I do and I'm not really into change. I'm hearing that from others. And so they don't see change if possible in themselves or anyone yeah. else. I, I can't relate to that at all. I'm very excited about learning anything new. And I love learning. I, and in media, when you're a working journal, yeah. Um, information is oxygen to you. You die without it. You lose your yeah. job if you're not totally up to date. So I actually love learning new, and that allows us. That's pivoting is totally natural. It's really interesting, and in, in, maybe with that being said, in uh, in reflection now of growing the business to this point, Tony, what would you what would you educate yourself? with going back a few years now with the efforts, energy and where you are as a company right now, what are the things you think that you could have done better only with the knowledge we have now, which is you know, obviously a silly thing to even think about, but is there something that stuck out for you about growing a company and what you would have done different if you were starting again today? Gee, uh, that's that a hard question because you do, so, you do everything different because it's like this big personal development journey, isn't it? Absolutely. It's a, it's a the business development journey, it's a personal development journey. So it wouldn't be fair to look back. Like it's impossible to do anything differently, right? Yeah. Well, maybe you just yeah. Maybe I'll frame it a different way. How do you <laughs> feel you've personally grown through building a business? What has been the surprising aspect for you of what the business has done to you personally? Do you think it's fundamentally changed you as a human? Yeah, it has. It has because. This is, I was massively, in a way, I was massively on the wrong track prior to this because it's funny. Um, my dad said to me when I started all of this, he said, Oh, I always knew you'd start your own business. And I was like, What are you talking about? Where do you get that from? And he said, uh, Oh, yeah, you, you actually haven't made it until you've got your own business. Wow. In his mind. Yeah. But so, 
So in his mind, somehow I'd always have my own business, but I don't see how he could even think that because I was stuck in newsrooms and a totally well, like ABC newsrooms, right? Like quite left, leftist thinking environments. Yeah. So to answer your question, I wish people who are close to me, like my father and other people, had said to me, Tony, you're actually a boss. Mm. You're actually a leader. Why are you masquerading as an employee? Because I didn't find it easy being an employee. Yeah. I did not find it easy. And I always kind of thought, what's wrong with me? Why, why am I not quite fitting in here? Why isn't this kind of working good at my job? But, you know, there's other barriers, there's other challenges. And so to answer your question, it's, it's been transformational and it's the right place for me because I think I've just got a boss personality. You know what? I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with that. It's the right spot for me. Yeah. That has been a real epiphany in understanding myself. So I started at 40, I'm 45. Now I'm in the right place. I'm good at leading. I'm good at making decisions. I'm good at taking risks. I'm good at organizing. I'm good at, so but prior to that, as an employee, you don't get to have the adventure that you do as a business owner. Sure. And that I found that very frustrating that I had so little impact as, as a cog in the wheel. And the byproduct now being that you're responsible for everything. It, does that sit well with you now? I mean, obviously the the listeners here understand the stresses of that, understand that, you know, that there's, it's not all um, sunshines and rainbows, but does that sit comfortably with you? How do you manage that total responsibility? Well, I think it's the right spot for me. Like I, I think the more responsibility, the better for me. Like I love the response. And I recall playing sport and I remember a dad or a coach or someone said, oh, Make Tony captain. He's better when he's captain. He plays better when he's captain. <laughs> it's so, 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 okay, that was an interesting observation as a younger man. Yeah. Then if I look into media, the two jobs I probably excelled at the most and enjoyed and thrived in the most is when I had total responsibility to have my own television show in Canberra. And then here in Melbourne, I, I ran the, um, the infield reporting for the breakfast show. So I was the live guy every day. James Hurd, Pet Dogs, scandal, yep. human hater, terrorism shooting, federal state elections, like I was like I was the guy. Yeah. So the more responsibility I've got, the better I am. But if if I'm, if I'm tiny responsibility doesn't work for me. So I sort of um you know, I don't want to be grandiose, but like but that's just how I'm white, I guess. I'm still a bit uncomfortable with it in a way. Yep. Like a still part of me doesn't want to stand out in a sense, if you know what I mean. Yep. But um well, poppy wise, but I think if I, to be honest, the more responsibility, the better. Hence, running my own show is perfect for me. So, let me ask you this then: What do you see as your superpower as an entrepreneur and someone who's built a business and is building a very successful business? What do you What do you think? Even though, without being grandiose, but I'll give you permission for a couple of seconds just to to delve <laughs> in. Our listeners are um are smart enough to know that hum, humility doesn't necessarily mean not reflecting and and what do you think is your superpower if you could if you could point it down to one or two things why should i back well, I you think, <laughs> i think work ethic yeah i think i'm i'm very consistent like i don't miss a day i don't miss a minute i don't miss an hour uh so I'm, i think i've got a i've got a very very strong work ethic so that was that created or I don't, I don't know where that comes from. I can only reflect on my parents. Like my dad was an orphan, started as a labourer, you know, became a concreter, <laughs> taught himself pool building, 
And I remember observing all this as a kid. Like we lived in a caravan park. Wow. I remember being so poor. I remember looking off into the distance into the paddocks and dad's bringing like something over his shoulders, like he's bringing rabbits home. Wow. Like I'm in primary school. And um, and then you know you know childhood memory cuts in and out. Yeah. And then he's, they're serving it to us later, like pretending it's Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> you know, you know, Incredible. and today what my my mum came as a migrant. English is a second language. You know, they worked incredibly hard. Dad taught himself pool building. And I remember the first, I remember pre digital the ad that would go into the paper every Sunday. Yeah. Advertised his Bush Rock special pools for $11,950. And they would bring it three leads in a week and he'd go and do the quotes. And he, he started not even knowing that industry. A bit younger than 40, I think. And to become Queensland's top pool builder, like 150 calls a year. Wow. Like he did a, we kind of observed all of this. And so, you know, I, I, I do get my work ethic from my parents and, I think that's all I got. Like, I'm not perfect to make heaps of mistakes, but I think if you've got high output and you can learn and just keep going, you should be okay. It's an amazing, amazing story. Might have to get your dad um, <laughs> to talk through that zone here. It's <laughs> incredible. Oh, it's done a bit more than me, that's for sure. Oh, no, 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 don't, <laughs> don't sell yourself short. Um, in, in reflection of that, where to for good talent in the future? What is um? What are your ambitions? I mean, is this the is are you in the stage where you're got rabbits over the shoulder walking through the paddock now, or have we got our first couple of ads in the paper and, and established? Where do you where are you now, and where, what's the future looking um, like for good talent? Well, I think it's exciting because we can attract. There's a lot of high quality people. Like you know, we've got a just a lot of disruption with COVID right now. Yep. But the media industry has been disrupted for some time. So we're able to hire really high caliber media people and who we know have got to really, you know, work really hard, know their stuff. So I'm quite bullish about what the future looks like. We, you know, we've got really sophisticated plans in place which we're implementing. I, I think we're we're on a little rocket ship here. And I I'm excited about us helping as many people as I can. I think that's brilliant, and and you touched on something when you're you're explaining your background, Tony. That I want to speak about, which is your your superpower and your energy just to get up and go. And and you know, I've got no doubt you're going to achieve your goals faster than anyone can in in what you're building at the moment. But for for our listeners that struggle with work ethic, not the effort, but actually recharging the batteries. I know we've had a lot of conversations around that. It's something we you know use. Yeah, use each other for for support around that because we're both susceptible to maybe pushing it a touch over the edge to you know see how far we go and almost pride ourselves on being able to push a little harder than the next guy. But do you mind sharing, if it's not too personal, just some of the triggers for you when you know you'd need to take a little bit of break or recharge the batteries? Because I think that's a very important skill. It's um, and I want our listeners to be clear with it that you charge hard but one of the skills you've had to develop is knowing when it's time to take a breath or or make sure you get the batteries recharged so you don't burn out do you mind talking a little bit to that because i think that's very very valuable information to share yeah well i think i you know by mentors people close to me i you know i'm you know, i've been told that i'm a sprinter and and you know i think early on People close to me were trying to say pace it a bit. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm not interested in that. I'm not built for that. 
So I'm not open to it, I guess. So I like sprinting, and that means you're going really hard. Like I think, like I love working. Yeah. Like I find it very exciting. Yeah. Like you know, got a little something written up here, a lot written up here. But you know, I, I've chosen this world of ups and downs and endless growth and endless opportunities. I've chosen it. Yeah. And I'm perfectly built for it. So I go really hard. But you're right, and I do notice that I do. So that, but then I come down pretty quickly. So say I've paced it out at about twelve weeks of sprinting. So what is sprinting for me is is um, you know starting early yeah. and just going as hard as I can all day, as many appointments all day as I can, and and phone calls and the rest of it, and coordinating my team. And then I notice that gee, I start feeling fatigued. Yeah, I start losing the energy. I start losing the excitement, and I actually start losing the interest. Yeah, I start losing the interest in making another call or being in another meeting. So at that point, I start communicating with some people close to me and they usually help me. So well, now's the time to have a couple of days off. So whether I have a Monday and Friday to do my weekend or whether I have a week off, I actually try to schedule a week off every 12 weeks. Yep. I actually have it off. So turn the phone off the whole lot, just let the team do everything. And you know what? I really do resist. You'll find it hard to have that week off. <laughs> so, but, but I tell you what though, the, the energy and the ideas and the creativity that can come out of it is incredible. So I have a notepad with me. And once I get rested, the, the, the new ideas, new products, new whatever, it, I try to capture it. And I often come back to the team with a lot of new things we can implement or keep it going. So there's, so I feel better. Plus I think I can grow the business more. So, so it's worth doing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and you talk about your team, Tony. It's, is, do you find it difficult from the path you've had knowing that you're a leader then having employees now? Have you have you found that transition interesting? Because it must be strange to have had a, had a, essentially a whole career as an employee then stepping out and, and, and re, you know, a rebirth of a whole new career. But have you found that transition of working with employees that now work for you? And is that is that been challenging? Yeah, it has. Really challenging. It has, it's just been really – I've had to learn it. I've had to definitely learn. I've had to break through all sorts of personal blockages in my mind about me and what people might think of me or what I think of myself. It's been very challenging. Yeah. And um, I remember being so sheepish. I remember my first ever assistant because maybe in that second year it started getting busy, so I needed some help. Yeah. You know, I'm so hesitant to even delegate. Like I was scared <laughs> even year two to delegate. I didn't want to offend anyone. Like. You know, being a former lefty journo, um, you know, quite anti-capitalistic and anti-materialism and anti-authority, and, and here I am becoming authority. So it's been a big, yeah, a big, uh, a big growth thing for me to be okay with who I am, be okay to, to employ people, be okay to have, you know, solid cash flow. So yeah, it, it's it really is has been a journey. It's the bit you don't read in the fine print isn't it it's the i I, you're talking about that whole what you have to recalibrate i think these are the things you don't know i mean it's all lovely to go and run a business but it's these small things that you don't recalibrate of actually having to change your whole world around how am i with people that i'm now in charge of versus how am i with working with someone i think that's a massive transition that we all have to make Um, particularly if we've had experience of Working with others, I, I do think that's a fascinating subject. Oh, I agree. Like, I, it could be the whole subject. 
the whole headspace and personal development <laughs> around having a team. Like, I think our growth is limited to our, you know, our minds. Like, maybe that does manifest in business as well. I assume it does, but. Yeah, like this is an intense personal growth journey. There's no doubt about it. Like I make, I do make time for meditation every day. Yep. Uh, I, I, I want to find a purpose that's greater than me. Yep. I'm a bit concerned that it's all about me and my business. Yep. So whether it be pro bono causes and the like, and I'm reaching out to mentors and partners and trying to find that. Yep. I guess that's a search for contentment. Yep. And, uh, and giving. So. So yeah, I think I'm, and I think this just gets back to learning. That an earlier thing, I think if you're a keen learner, yeah, and you've got to learn about yourself, you've got to get better at absolutely everything in in order to grow. That's the game we're in, and it's exciting, and it's as far as I think that's the game we're in. To finish off, I've got two questions for you. Tell the listeners a little bit around your personal habits, because I also know that you're very good at your habits around getting prepared for the day and I just think it's interesting if you don't mind sharing something so personal but I mean you're up pretty early doing doing what's got to get done to make sure you're in top mental and physical shape yeah well I um I think your habits are really important I I just I don't know if I've read it or maybe I have read it it's not new is it like this is pretty standard stuff but look I I think um i uh, yeah, for me, it's early. It's an early morning workout, and uh, that's mandatory. So, and, and everything's mandatory, right? So, <laughs> it's mandatory. I've got, I've got to hit that. <laughs> i got to hit that. And it's not easy. It's not, yeah. I don't always want to spring out of bed, but, and it's on my mind when I go to bed. But that's yeah. it. I've got to do it. And I get the benefit after. And, and then, um, you know, and, and then after that, I, um, I, look, I'm working from home in COVID. But um, for me to get in the right mindset, uh, I've got to put some decent clothes on, whether I'm going to the office or I'm sitting at home. So that makes me feel good, gets me in the zone. Yep. So I, I, I totally accept it's different for everyone else. And then I like to meditate in the mornings. So that I think that's important, whether it's five minutes or it can blow out longer. Beautiful. So I think gratitude is really important. I think yep. that and my wife all the time, we spend our life chasing the cream, chasing stuff we don't even need. But in fact, if we just sit back and have gratitude for what we've got, yeah. you know, we've got so much. Uh, you know, the oxygen we breathe, the planet we live in, the environment, there's so much to be grateful for. So I like to, to get into that gratitude practice because you're really totally wealthy at that point, you're totally free and content. Sure. So that's I, so I think that's really important to dive into that really deeply if you can. Mm. And then I've got my, my day sorted out the night before. So... So the appointments are sorted out, the, the must the must phone calls are sorted out, like the must activities are all sorted out. Awesome. So it doesn't really matter how I feel, I, I'm committed to implementing everything in the plan I've made the night before. And I don't always feel great. Uh, I don't always. So, But I'm just committed to, to my word. And I talk about this with my kids right now. I think your word to yourself and your word to others needs to be kept. So if I've made my plan for the day, that's my, my commitment to myself and I'm not going to let myself down. So it doesn't matter. I think waiting to feel good is putting your future in the hands of who knows what. Yeah. So I think you can guarantee your future if you just you, you fulfill your words to yourself. 
and uh, and to others. Absolutely, non-negotiable. So, and that's that's how I set my day up, and then I, I implement through the day. Drink too much coffee, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I'm a morning guy. I like to start early, but I'm not working past five. Yep. very very rarely. I'm pretty buggered by the afternoon. Don't ring me in the afternoon. I'm making no sense. <laughs> <laughs> so that, so in summary, that's kind of how my weeks roll. To finish up, Tony, just for all our listeners that are obviously Australian-based where there's a majority but also the people listening overseas that are bringing their business to our great country, um, why good talent? What can they come and see you for? What can they? How should they get in contact with you and um, you know, give, a, give a little bit of a shout-out because I appreciate your time. I, I appreciate your honesty with our listeners because I know there's a lot that will gather some inspiration of just knowing how you operate and and. Uh, if I could speak, I couldn't speak highly enough of your work ethic and the way you approach growing a company. I think if everyone did that, they would. There's no chance that they couldn't be successful. It's just a matter of time. But I want to make sure that people can find you because I also know what you do for your clients and the impact it has. So, what next for Good Talent? How can we find you? And um, we'll we'll wrap it up after that. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you. Well, well, we're all about creating industry leaders. So if you're in an, in an industry, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, um, I just want you to reflect a little bit. What would it mean if in your industry, if everyone sat back and, and saw you as, as the leader, like the thought leader of the of the caper that you're in? So what would that do for your business? What would do that what would that do for your revenue? And I think that's the opportunity that PR gives you. So off the back of regular media appearances, radio, television, print, online, we create industry leaders. And it's such an exciting journey. It's And it is really a, a professional and personal development journey as well. So we've got clients who have previously had no profile in smaller businesses, but off the back of three to six to 12 months nonstop PR, we've got government ministers reaching out, asking how they can be involved with programs, I've got philanthropists reaching out, wanting to donate money and be seen at press appearances with them. I've got major retailers reaching out, wanting to buy their goods. So the media is just a wonderful game for you to be seen as an industry leader and, and therefore attract all the benefits of that. So that's the exciting journey that I get to take clients on and, and we hold your hand through it and, and it is, it's very satisfying and it's a lot of fun. Thank you, Tony. And for those listening out there, give Tony some love. Check him out on LinkedIn, connect, reach out. I'm sure he'd be more than happy to chat to you and and talk about it because one of the really exciting things about his business is when you recognize that you're ready for the media and there's always an angle and there's always a way to be interesting for your audience and and that's his superpower in the business and the team he's got there. But Tony, thank you for your time. I know how busy you are and this is you know taking a slot out of your eight interviews a day but I appreciate your support and your friendship but also um, congratulations on all that you've got to thus far and we'll be watching the journey closely because um, big things ahead. Thank you. Thanks boys. Appreciate it. See you mate.